stupid. We don't have any real spoilers, so... If we did, we would tell you. <laughs> no, no, we wouldn't. Are yeah. you sure? <laughs> Everybody, welcome back to Coruscant Radio Underground, the weekly Star Wars podcast presented by the ScienceFictionary.com. As usual, I am Daniel Peoples, and joining me tonight are Andrew and Marisha Gore. Hello, Internet. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Uh, welcome to another episode, and we've got a little bit of news to talk about tonight, and we'll get through that, talk about some of our favorite things in, uh, in Star Wars, and just a little disclaimer... We're going to discuss a few little things from The Mandalorian and from Episode 9. They're not really spoilers, but if you're trying to avoid all things Episode 9 or The Mandalorian... Good luck. Good luck. <laughs> May the Force be with you. But we are going to discuss a few pictures and things tonight. But we, will, you know, we won't be doing any sort of, like, spoilers. We don't have any real spoilers, so... If we did, we would tell you. <laughs> no, no, we wouldn't. Are yeah. you sure? <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope you would tell me. No, we, we, we would tell you. Just not right. all the other three people that listen to our podcast. Yeah, we, we just had a discussion about spoilers before we came on the air. So, All right. Well, uh, just what's been going on with everybody this week? I, I know last week we discussed a little bit about Iron Fist. They canceled it. <laughs> they canceled <laughs> yep. it. They sure enough did. But yeah, I'm hoping, and, I'm hoping, Daniel, that that means what you were talking about. get the show all on it? Yes. Yeah. Because now that sets us up to be able to do, to do both shows you mentioned. To do Daughter of the Dragon and to do... Um, Heroes for, Heroes for Hire. Yes, which which have been the shows I've wanted, but they're going to have to, if we do that, they, they leave some questions at the end of Iron Fist that they need to answer somewhere before I even feel like we're ready. I guess maybe in the early episodes of whatever Heroes for Hire, or right. the next season of Luke Cage, we can see Danny and figure out what he's been doing in Asia the whole time, you know? Right. So... I don't know. They, they left some unanswered questions that I guess they're going to wrap up in other shows. And then maybe I will get my series that I wanted. And I, I, I've never actually called for anything like this. I'm not going to be upset if they recast Danny. And I hate saying stuff like that. I don't want somebody to lose his job. I'm just not, I'm not happy with Finn Jones. Even at his best, he, he's, he's yeah, just not quite Danny Rand. It just doesn't feel right. The whole show didn't feel like Danny Rand, ex and, but he was, he was the biggest, he was the biggest reason why though. So I think, of course, I also was not happy with the showrunners or the writing in season one, season two, that part of it did get better. We'll see. I still haven't finished season two yet. And then I found out they, I, I was sitting there the other day going, I need to go ahead and finish season two. And then I turned my computer on and Iron Fist canceled. I was like, well, don't be in a too big a hurry. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it is what it is. I would like to see my Heroes for Hire show, though. So there's a, a new a new video game coming out. Um, I, it's uh, called Squadron 42. Have you seen the Did trailer for that? Did you see that trailer? I, I, that sounds familiar to me, but I did not see the trailer. Um, I, it's a sci-fi uh, deal in space looks like around a, mostly around a fighter squadron, but it's <laughs> I, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna read you some of the names here. Let's see, we got Gary Oldman, Mark Hamill, John Reese Davies, Ben Mendelsohn, Jillian wow. Anderson, Andy Serkis, Henry Cavill's on there. Yeah, Henry Cavill's on here somewhere. 
this is a video game cast? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what I said. Do, do you remember Wing Commander? Remember when me and you were yes. kids? Yes, I love that Wing game. Wing Commander Mark Hamill. And actually, John Reese davies was in Wing Commander too, wasn't he? He was. He was that, in at least one season awesome of it. Game. Yeah, that was an awesome game. That kind of reminded me of that when you started talking about it. I think they must have gone on a crusade to get an actor from every major sci-fi or fantasy series <laughs> for the past yeah. 30 years. Yeah, it's a, the, the right. cast is insane. And it looks really good. I'm curious to learn more about it. Like I just watched the trailer for the first time, but man, it it looks it looks epic. So I'll have to look for it when we get done then, because I had uh, I hadn't seen it. Squadron Forty Two, I'll remember that. All right, well, uh, let's jump right on into into some Star Wars here and uh, picking up where we left off last week with news from the Mandalorian. Um, now, of course, some of this is is not necessarily one hundred percent confirmed. Uh, it's kind of still in the the land of rumors, although. I think there's a lot of weight to it. It sounds like Bryce Dallas Howard and Taika Waititi, who are both going to direct an episode, will also have roles in the show, which makes sense to me as they're both actors. And it's not uncommon on a show like this to have actors step into the director's seat. Right. And I would be excited for that. I, I actually am fans of both of them on screen. Right. Um, Taika Waititi is hilarious. He's probably the best thing in that terrible Green Lantern movie. <laughs> um, and uh, and I like Bryce Dallas Howard, but I also kind of think that since they were they were announced as directors first, so it's, it would kind of seem to be a natural progression of a rumor that well, wait a minute, these two really good actors are attached to this. I bet they're going to be in it. Yeah, you know what I mean. Right. That's that seemed like a pretty logical jump to make anyway. That's not too far fetched. No, it's not. So, and they, like you said, you know, we don't. Happy about it. Oh yeah, I'm happy way. about it. And it's like we don't know a whole lot because we, we don't know any cast members yet. I mean, there's been some no. rumors about who was playing the lead, but apparently those are were were disproven or something. I'm I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. There were some rumors earlier this week. I did forget to look it up. An actor from Game of Thrones that was rumored to be in the show. I can't think of who it was. I don't know. But that that I can't, and he may be the one that uh, that may be the one that they've come out and said no, this was all wrong. I'll have to try to look that up in a minute. You've got two talented actors, and you've got you know Taika's a, a, a really talented director, and even mm -hmm. though Bryce Dallas Howard hasn't done a lot, I've got high hope. There there are people I'd love to see in it, and like I said, you know, sci-fi in particular has a has a long history of, of actors stepping into the director's seat. Um, Star Trek did it a lot. Oh, yeah. Every member of the main cast for uh, Next Generation, almost every member directed at least one episode. And, of course, um, the guy that played Odo on DS9 famously directed the worst episode of Star Trek <laughs> ever. <laughs> but, anyway, that's a, another universe. So. Well, Marisha, what do you think about the... Uh, possibility of Bryce Dallas Howard or Taika Waititi appearing in The Mandalorian. I mean, I'm down for it. I think they're both interesting. They're both interesting and multifaceted actors, I think. So, you know, I, I think that you could probably see them do a pretty big variety. You know, they're, they're all, it's not like, oh, well, they're clearly, you know, going to play X kind of character. Right. Well, as long as, you know, Taika's not The Mandalorian, right? Yeah, I don't think I really want to see him as... I mean, 
maybe well, he's got some real no, I, I'm, compelling I'm just kidding. Like he's a he's a talented there. actor. I mean, who knows what he's actually capable of? Well, wait a minute. We do have a history of New Zealanders playing. That that is fit. true. That is true. Which I know this isn't a fit, but still, we have a history of New Zealanders playing Mandalorians, or what we thought were Mandalorians before we found out that or what, maybe, maybe they're not. Mandalorians. Right. Yeah. Or maybe men, or maybe they may think they're Mandalorians and the rest of whatever. Yeah. So so what if we yeah, do so know I said all that. We do know that post actually I'm yeah, post Return of the Jedi during the course of the Aftermath trilogy that some Mandalorian armor shows up on uh Tatooine. Right. There's a little mystery surrounding this and this mysterious stranger right. that's wearing it what are the odds that uh boba fett's still wearing the armor I mean, with a fett's... different look so how would you feel about boba fett showing up in this in this show i'd be good with it if the big reveal somewhere like if we go so many episodes and he wears the helmet the whole episode and then the the big reveal is he takes the helmet off and somebody calls him by his name right you know what i mean yeah then of course but that would until bringing back, because if they're all clones, they're all going to look alike. So how old is he now? Have you seen him lately? I Can haven't. still pull off the role? I haven't, but at this point, I honestly, I would be okay with them moving over. I don't know if you've seen Daniel Logan lately. Daniel Logan looks yeah. so incredibly similar really? yeah. that I would be perfectly fine with Daniel Logan stepping into that role. It'd be believable. Yeah. Like it's, it would not be a big enough of a departure that you would go, I'm not buying it. I, I think that if they ever continue the Boba Fett role, that he's going to get a s serious consideration to step into the right. role. And he's continued to be pretty active in Star Wars as time has progressed. Well, he's I mean, been very he, active in the community. I mean, he's, he's an active member of the 501st. Yeah, and he shows up at cons. He's always at Celebration. Right. And I guess, but, and also though, bringing back the original actor for Django, depending on when this is set. Well, his, you could, you, could right. Fit. The, the original actor's age may actually be more uh, in line with what you would want to see at this point. That's true. But then that's really the question of like, we're, we're kind of watching this, this hero or this, not necessarily a hero, but this, this lone gunman. Um, mm -hmm. This popular like, character anyway. Do we want him to be, that old and grizzled and yeah. I would kind of be okay with that, but it's yeah. like, it kind of depends on like how much action we really want to see in the, nobody complains about Clint Eastwood's 87 year old, <laughs> but still playing a tough guy. He, that's, I mean, you know? that's true. That's true. I would be okay with them with the big reveal at the end being that this is Boba Fett. I would also be really happy if this is a brand new character, but I want to mm -hmm. see them address the Boba Fett issue. I think they, yes, I think you're right. At some point, I think they have to answer some Boba Fett-related questions, and they should do it in something besides a book. I mean, that's a big enough question. I feel like there are a lot of questions that it's fine to answer in a comic book or in a novel, but some questions, like the Boba Fett question, I mean, it's a 40-year-old question, 30, what, 34-year-old question? We deserve an answer, by <laughs> we golly. We deserve an answer in something film. other than a novel, if, if they're going to answer it. And and so, sure. and I don't need to see Boba Fett. I would love to see Boba Fett. But, heck, even if they just answered the question as to whether Django was a, a Mandalorian, because we know at that time period when, they, when the guy says he's not a Mandalorian... There was a lot of like busted dissension. up groups and dissension within the ranks of the Mandalorians. And it may have just been that 
they disowned him completely. So I'd kind of like to see something. I'd like to right. see if we're going to do something about the Mandalorians, let's answer that question. You mentioned a minute ago about the Mandalorian armor showing up on Tatooine, however long after Return of the Jedi. So, you know, we had some speculation last time we talked about this, that judging by the set photos, this very well could be set somewhere on Tatooine. Yeah, it, so it could be. That, w- that would fit also. I mean, everything that we know about this show so far, though, could very well fit with that little blurb. I don't have you have you read the aftermath trilogy, Daniel? I didn't finish it. Okay, did you read any of the little chapters where that armor or this guy turns up and there nobody's no, really I, sure who I he is? I did not know. I didn't know that was uh, was there until you told me about it. Okay, because I didn't. Well, it's kind of a little aside in that book. There's a few asides in that book that like. I don't really know why they're there. They never really go anywhere. Just little Easter eggs. They're, they're well, they're little Easter eggs, but they take up entire chapters of the book. Hmm. I mean, that like there's a whole chapter dedicated to that just kind of talks a little bit, but never resolves. It just kind of mentions this, this going on. So it's more than an Easter egg, but it never really fleshes anything out. So that photo, I mean, that could be Moss Espa, and that could this could be the character from the aftermath book. Those chapters could have been put in those aftermath books just to set, to set something up. up down the road. So who knows? Well, I mean, I know that they, whenever Timothy Zahn went to write uh, Thrawn Alliances, they wanted him to do to use Batu. They they gave him a lot of specs for Batu for the park. You know, like mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I think we still have a lot of. Uh, they've given us just enough to have these kinds of conversations. Lots of speculation, mm-hmm. right? And that's so, the thing. We're still a long and, ways off, too. And the yeah. more speculation there is, and the more people talk about it, the more people are going to mm. spring for a Disney subscription service to watch it. I am. Well, there there was some speculation. Part of the Taika Waititi speculation, whether this holds any water or not, I don't know, was that he might be playing a droid. Ooh, that'd be fun. Oh, I'd be I'd be fine with that. Like. We've had all sorts of weird, twisted droids in Star Wars, and he could certainly pull that off. Yeah, it, they kind of seem to really be using the droids as comedic relief a lot. Right, and so, I mean, that's what they always were in the originals. You know, C-3PO was... C-3PO was, for sure. Yeah, well, and he... I mean, him and R2 and C-3PO are, are Laurel and Hardy. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, they, they play off each other. You can't understand R2, but you can certainly tell he gets on uh, C-3PO's nerves. <laughs> Absolutely. Like you get on my nerves. Exactly. <laughs> but no, that's all fun speculation. Of course, we've still got a long time to speculate about all this. And that's one of the things we were talking about the other day. This just seems like, this just seems really early for filming a show that won't release till this time next year. Well, I don't know. I mean, for the type of production value you're putting in it, look how long it takes to make a season right. of Game of Thrones. And I guess that's the, I guess that's the real thing is that the production value, you're basically getting, you're basically getting four movies worth of runtime. Yeah, I mean, you're getting a lot of CGI on this. Right. So I guess the post is what's really going to run the time mm-hmm. up. And I'm fine with them having plenty of time to fine-tune everything, too. So, uh, But as far as a little more news on The Mandalorian, I, John Favreau just keeps dropping these gems on his Instagram account. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I don't know, Daniel, how familiar you are with Wilro Hood. Uh, I'm not. Uh, Will Rowe Hood, I, I, posted, I posted a picture of him there in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Do you recall that image? I, I saw that. Yeah, and no, I'm looking at the image right now. Okay, that's from Empire Strikes Back. And it is a this character 
is kind of, he works directly for Lando and he's got this data core full of information for their connections that they don't want the Empire to find out about. Of course, for the, if you look at the picture for the, uh, for the data core, they used an ice cream maker. Yeah, that's exactly what I was just saying. <laughs> it's funny because Star Wars will take these characters, these completely inconsequential characters, <laughs> and yep. we turn them into these these big things. Like they they become their own legends, kind of. They have and, a, a running of the, the yes, hoods at as celebration. <laughs> they had last. I guess they do it every time at celebration, but they had the running of the hoods, and at some point. What, Marisha? Maybe 300 people dressed as Wilrow Hood come running through the convention floor across the stage. And ice cream makers. That's that's (laughs) awesome. Just running through the whole convention. Yeah. That's awesome. It's epic. And so, yeah, of course, I'm assuming by all that, that this thing that Jon Favreau has posted a picture of is a data core. But I don't know. I mean, it may just be something that's there on a shelf as a prop, but it is a fantastic callback. To yep. to Wilrow Hood, who again this completely awesome. inconsequential character who just it just took on a life of its own. Well, I mean, somebody and, was like, "Here, carry this," and handed him an ice cream maker, and then they had to make a backstory for it. It's exactly what happened there. <laughs> well, <laughs> then yeah, somebody I mean, was like, "Why is this dude carrying an ice cream maker?" And they're like, "That's not an ice cream maker. That's a data core." <laughs> he just couldn't leave his ice cream behind. Yes. That, I mean, I feel him. <laughs> Speaking of when we get dumb, you could get me some ice cream. <laughs> of course, the other fantastic, and this thing is beautiful, this uh, this rifle. Yeah. Yes, that, that looks cool. And, of course, some it didn't take long for somebody to notice that the rifle appears to be designed on the uh, Boba Fett's original rifle from the animated portion of the Star Wars Holiday Special. Because of course it is. Where is Robbie when you need him? <laughs> <laughs> it certainly looks better in real life than it does in that cartoon. Oh yeah, yeah, so, for sure. But I mean, what a what a cool no, idea to go cool. back and take take something like that and, and make it right. Legit. Well, it's just the attention. It's just the attention to detail. Right. It's the idea that this stuff has appeared. Why, why go create something new when you can go back and make sure you're being consistent? And with someone like John Favreau, who is a huge Star Wars fan, uh, you know these are absolutely the things you would expect him to pay attention to, and I'm glad of it. It just right. proves he was the right person to do something like this. No, and I, so, all I can think when I look at that rifle, though, is I, I definitely need that rifle added to Battlefront 2. Mm-hmm. It does look great, though. It's it's funny, though, that the, the two props he's posted so far have been, you know, like callbacks to really random, obscure, like diehard right. fan kind of. Oh, yeah. Uh, no, things. I mean, these these two items were specifically posted to to fire up the fan base. That's for the fans. Yeah, those are those are there for the people who would recognize them. Yeah, because it's I mean, if you look through the comments, some people were like, just didn't get it. Because you can tell the people that were like, you know, that were immediately like, it's Will Hood's ice cream maker. (laughs) You know, and then, of course, to recognize that rifle. I mean, that's just crazy that somebody would just immediately recognize that. That somebody watched the holiday special (laughs) enough times to recognize a weapon from it. Well, what do you want to bet Robbie Gore is not the one... Who noticed it and posted? But no, I love that he's dropping these things, these little little hints and just little pieces to to give us something to get fired up about. 
And honestly, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm excited to see that he seems to be excited for the fan base. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, that's the thing is, is he's, he's such a fan himself. And, you know, and then he's, he's working side by side with, with Dave Filoni mm-hmm. on this. I mean, you're talking about two guys who, you're talking about Dave Filoni who lives and mm-hmm. breathes Star Wars. Star Wars I yeah. mean, his, his depth of knowledge and areas of Star Wars are better than anybody's just because of his time spent with George Lucas. Yeah. And then Favreau, who's just a diehard Star Wars fan, you know, talks about writing these stories when he was, you know, writing Star Wars story, stories in high school and in college. Mm-hmm. You know, boys and girls write fan fiction. Someday you could produce Star Wars. Fan service is a little is nice, you know, just to see that oh, they're, yeah. they're, you know. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's like fan, fan service. It kind of gets a, like some people use it as a, as a derogatory term. It's, it's like fanboys. No, you know, fanboys has kind of, well. fanboys fan has kind of gone back and forth of whether it's a derogatory term or a compliment. A compliment. And, uh, yeah, no, you, you have to have a sense of humor. That That's where a lot of fans go wrong now, is taking themselves too seriously. Dude, you have to have a sense of humor about this stuff. You're not going to be able to enjoy it if you don't. You can't laugh at yourself a little bit, you know? Oh, yeah. That, and I if love, I can't absolutely. laugh at you, then we wouldn't have any fun at all. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> I know that's your favorite part of the show is laughing at how serious I get. <laughs> We get to have fun at Daniel's expense. I mean, Andrew's got to have a break sometime. I always have fun at his expense. I can't wait to see what he posts next because I don't expect it to stop. I expect to keep getting little bits and pieces here and there. And, you know, he's not giving anything away. He's just no. giving us really cool images that. I mean, can you imagine how many props there are to take pictures? I mean, he could take a picture of a prop every week from now until they oh, yeah. release and still not tell us a daggum and, so, and someone would comb through 40 years worth of star wars to find the callback to it mm-hmm. it's fun it's supposed to be fun yeah so i you know I, I hope he keeps doing it i'm sure yeah. he will that's the thing is he he gets it i mean he gets star wars he gets the fan base and you know he knows what he knows what he can put out there to fire people up. Honestly, I enjoy The Last Jedi. It's interesting. It's interesting to, to debate. I really would love something that no one argues about. Just like, just a little thing, like pictures of an ice cream maker. Is it too mm-hmm. much to hope that this is going to be universally loved and people won't gripe about it online? And we can just all be like, yay! I don't know. I'm tired of negativity. Everybody's so negative, except us. We're nice. That may not be completely relevant, but you know, <laughs> it's been a no, day. No, I, I, I know what you mean. <laughs> we are kind of at a place where we need something universally positive to Star yeah. Wars fans. The Last Jedi, for whatever, for the for the people who don't like that movie, for whatever the reasons are that different people have for not liking that movie, it was very divisive. Mm-hmm. Yes. And there are people who have problems with it that are legitimate. And there are people, you know, we've talked about on the show a little bit. There are people who really do have these stupid political reasons for not liking that movie. Right. right. Well, that, so that's one of the things is a lot of people get fired up about things. And, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say there was no political message in that movie because there definitely is. But a lot of that, it's uh, it's like what Yoda tells uh. Luke about the tree on Dagobah, you know, what's in there? The only what you take with you. That's true. And and that's and that's exactly what's happening with a lot of these movies in the theater is people are going in. Yes. And they're coming out basing things on their own 
preconceived, preconceived notions, notions, opinions, and they're on drama about politics, and then they're like, "Let's read this into Star Wars." I just want a break. I want happy Star Wars. Yes, no, we we do. I didn't mean to get off, get us off track, but back to my original point, we are, we are at a, at a place where I think we need something more universally positive. And I'm actually kind of thinking since the DVD release of Solo, there's I've been seeing more and more positive things yes. about Solo online yep. too. People are finally seeing it, and, and I'm I'm happy about that. Yeah, um, I really I really hope that uh that that's one that kind of takes on new life as time passes. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it really is a good movie. It's a very enjoyable movie. It was funny. I think Solo's opening week and Venom's opening week were almost identical, and people are praising Venom as a hit and a success for the <laughs> money it made. And Solo was a failure making the same money. Right. It's just a different level of expectation. Different expectations. A Star Wars movie. Yeah, a Star exactly. Wars movie just needs to be that much more. Yeah, and you're exactly right. Of course, the budget for Solo, I think, was a lot higher, too. So that also definitely makes a difference. Yeah. I didn't see Venom. Like, the trailer for Solo was way better than the trailer for Venom. All right. Well, um, so does anybody have anything else on The Mandalorian before we move on to Episode 9? Okay. Well, Episode 9, we had a few new things. They're not really totally new. I think they're mostly things we've discussed before, but they're kind of things. More of them. Well, it's the same, some of the same what were rumors a couple of months ago now moving towards being a little bit more fleshed out in reality. Um, like we talked about Jordan as a possible filming location for episode nine. And it turns out that they are indeed filming in Jordan now. So what that means, and we've already talked, so we won't go too deep into it, but I seriously doubt that we're going somewhere new because they're definitely filming another desert planet. I, I don't, I don't want another desert planet. And honestly, as much as everybody's talked down about Jakku for the whole duration of the past two movies jack who's clearly important well jack no, i think that's where we are yeah i i really think it's going to be jack who i was kind of hoping for i was kind of rooting for jetta but Ooh. i think that there because jetta they filmed jetta in this location okay the, this is where they filmed the scenes for jetta the only problem is is i think there was a comic book somewhere along the lines that followed up on what was happening at jetta and the planet was left largely inhabitable, uninhabitable. Uh, right. When we first talked about it, when the, when the rumors for Jordan first started, I thought it was going to be Jetta and I want to be Jetta. What flipped me to Jakku is what Andrew's talking about right now. We have these scenes with this marketplace. Now, Jetta, after what happened on Jetta, I don't, I don't know where we're going on Jetta where we'd have something like that. I figured we were going back to Jetta to find a kyber crystal. I think we're probably going to J- Jakku now, but I hope not. We spent the last two movies telling Ray not to go back. Okay. So I'm going to go ahead and tie this in, even though this was further down the list. There are some rumors floating around. We're only going to get into one of the characters that's rumored. I mean, these are like really out there rumors right now. I don't know where they're coming from. I don't know what the sources are. They're just names that are suddenly getting thrown around a lot. Um, and one of those is Emperor Palpatine. What? It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I saw this. Well, but but hear me that's out. totally ridiculous. Hear, hear me out on that, though. If okay. we are, in fact, going back to Jakku, I don't know. I mean, I know you haven't read the Aftermath books. Are you familiar with how things arrived at the Battle of Jakku? Yes, the Cliff Notes version of it, yes. Okay, so we know that Palpatine had left these holographic messages he was there a- on Jakku for how they were supposed to proceed. 
Now, none of those things are supposed to be there to find because Jakku was supposed to have been completely destroyed to hide all evidence of the Empire's escape as part of Operation Cinder. It was the idea of burning burning everything to the ground and something new rising from the ash. And like. of course, they stop the destruction of Jakku. The, the right. rebellion. This is the Jakku the, is when yeah. the rebellion or the New Republic firmly squashed the Empire. Own. So I don't think Palpatine is coming back. Like I don't think Palpatine's suddenly going to show up, and I don't think they're going to go the old route of a cloned emperor or anything like that. I really think that what we're getting is probably one of these holographic messenger droids like show up in Battlefront. Yeah. What relevance does that play to where we are in the story now? Because Ray's his granddaughter. (laughs) I don't really think that. I just had to say I think that, I don't know. I mean, there could be something, and it might not, we don't know who's going back to, if they're going to Jakku, we don't even know who's going back. It could be Kylo Ren. It could be Ray. I'm just saying, I don't know that the Emperor being in episode nine necessarily means the emperor is back. You know, my point is mostly that just because we hear rumors that, that Palpatine's coming back doesn't mean that there aren't ways to bring him back without Palpatine actually being back and taking control of the empire or the, the first order. Uh, You know, we've also seen in old, old canon in old expanded universe. I don't know that we've ever seen it in new canon. We've seen, uh, but particularly in some of the old novels, Daniel, you've probably read some of the novels where this has happened and in some of the old uh, Knights of the Old Republic games where we've seen the spirits basically like, you know, we have some of these light side characters that come back as force ghosts. They're free to, mm-hmm. to exist where we've seen these tortured spirits of Sith Lords attached to items. Yes, no, the actually the last issue of the Darth Vader comic book if uh, if you remember me mentioning that we are getting introduced to a Sith Lord we hadn't seen before mm-hmm. through his helmet, his, his, the artifact of his helmet is part of the story. That actually, that's where that comes into play at. The spirit of that Sith Lord is attached to his to his helmet. So yeah, we have seen that before. So they have they have brought that back into canon. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes. and Palpatine is that just recently happened is a particularly powerful Sith Lord. Isn't he kind of yeah, on the Sith Lord yeah. scale? Yeah, yeah, I mean, in in old EU, we saw some really powerful Sith Lords, like Exar Kun, uh, Revan, Malik. Exar Kun was so cool. No, I'd love for him to bring that back in some way. If they ever do the Revan story, they might. But um, I do, I kind of like the idea of him being attached to something. Well, and we could also do something unprecedented because... I mean, it takes a little while for Qui-Gon to find his way back from the netherworld of the Force. And, you know, you kind of get the indication that he sort of is the first to to do that. So conceivably, the Sith could be, Palpatine could do something similar. Mm-hmm. You know, even if it, it is different well, than something that has been established in canon thus far. Th- that's true. I mean, we've always kind of held this truth that a dark side user couldn't come back as a force ghost um right but but they could maybe come back as something warped and twisted and unnatural right and and that's kind of something that's already been explored where they're kind of almost imprisoned and and 
this connection. I, you know, Exar Kuhn was was connected to his tomb, I believe. Right, Daniel? Yes. Yeah, they were. Um, some of the some of the other characters in the book were feeling actually feeling drawn to his tomb. He was drawing them in. Ooh, that's so, creepy. Yeah, that's really well. He was creepy. he was calling out to him through the forest. They were feeling drawn to this place, not knowing why. And Miss Spear was, like Andrew said, attached to his tomb, an actual physical place. Well, mm-hmm. I'd be a little more open to something like that. If I'm remembering that right, I hadn't read that book in about twenty years. <laughs> so yeah, it's been a long time. In addition to Wadi Rum in in Jordan, three new places have popped up. Although they're not necessarily new in Star Wars, and we've actually already talked about one of these as possible. But three new places have popped up as potential shooting locations: Italy, Ireland, and California. None of those are new no. to Star Wars filming locations. Right, and neither is the rumor. We talked about this already, I think, about Italy anyway. We did talk about the the Italy rumor. The Ireland rumor we had not discussed, but of course that's where Skellig Michael. Mm-hmm. Skellig Michael is. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. we might get somebody going back to... That makes sense. Going, going back, going to, the back to the island looking for Luke. Or even, I mean, conceivably Kylo Ren could go there looking for that place under the island. Yeah, I mean, there's any or number Or Ray of could reasons. go back there for that matter looking for the place under the island. Yeah, there's any number of reasons for them to go back there. Uh, what do you think about these locations? Because, of course, California was the shooting location for Indoor. Oh, really? The Far right. Moon. It oh, shot yeah. in the Redwoods. Good grief. California is so incredibly It's geographically diverse. diverse. It's so, so geographically diverse. Yes. So you could do any number of things there, but they don't really do. I mean, they've never really done a lot of shooting for Star Wars in California. So to go back, I mean, this film's in England. Right. You know, the, the main place they're doing a big chunk of the filming is at black park in in england and so going to california to me just like i i just it just screams going back to indoor to me unless we're going to kashik i'd rather they went to kashik than indoor now the kids would be really happy if they went to indoor they want to see more ewoks well again and we've said this and we're going to sound like a broken record by the time the movie Mm. comes out but you know, the the idea behind this movie is to tie the story together, the the prequels, the original trilogy, the new trilogy, and to tie it all together into a cohesive ending. And so it makes sense to hear rumors of characters coming back in some way or another. The other part of characters coming back is we've we've now got these flashbacks or force backs as they referred to it as part of Star Wars. So we can see characters through some sort of force vision. Force backs is not catchy. No, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. It's like as soon as you said that, I mean, it's not the first time I've heard it, but But I mean, we're we're sitting here looking at this list of additional possible filming locations and they are respectively the location of Naboo, Acto, and Endor. They also filmed... They're all the locations of yeah. important events from the past. Uh, they filmed some things, I think, from Coruscant in Italy, too, on a villa in Italy whenever Anakin and Padme are getting ready to board that transport back to Naboo when they're dressed as travelers. Mm-hmm. They filmed that in Italy, too. Okay. I would be down with seeing Coruscant again. Ooh, yeah. Especially to see what Coruscant looks like now. I mean, we really haven't seen much of Coruscant since. Well, it was the last major imperial stronghold, and like we don't really even know who's in control of it. 
Right. Like, I don't know of anything in canon that really gives us any indication of who's really controlling Coruscant. I mean, Coruscant could have just descended into madness. Coruscant was always kind of you know, a little bit mad. People selling death with. sticks on every corner. You need to go home and rethink your life. You don't want to sell me death sticks. The last rumor <laughs> in this uh, little bit, of course, you know, what do you, I mean, what do y'all think about these locations? Like, do you think we're going back to old places or are they shooting new things in just familiar locations? I mean, Jordan is a widely used filming location. A lot of stuff is shot there. Yeah, we're probably going back to places we've been before. I mean, on, on that one in particular, I just, I can't bring myself to believe that they're going to send us to a whole nother new desert, desert planet. planet yeah no i mean you can only have so many planets that are just desert well i mean you kind of get to the point where you're like is frank herbert writing all these planets <laughs> right <laughs> everything's another version of doom right Ooh, we should do that we should make that something we talk about one day like what our favorite inspiration for star wars is yeah we could do is that. it dune is it samurai movies is it other stuff that I'll think of when I'm less tired. Daniel, how would you feel about him going back to Endor? See, I'm kind of indifferent to Endor or Kashyyyk. We speculated that some of the plot is going really going to revolve around certain characters traveling around trying to rally support right. for the resistance. So, you know, they're going to hit some of these places that were loyal to the rebellion years ago before. Right. Try to... Well, see, so that would... It could be any of those places, but the not like the Ewoks are, you wouldn't think, are really in a position to be able to lend much support. At, at least we sort of think that the Kashyyyk were a little more involved in, not a little, they were a whole lot more involved in galactic affairs than Ewoks ever were. Right. So if what we're doing is trying to rally support from planets that are actually able to give it, Kashyyyk would be the most, the more logical choice. Right, and of course that perspective would make me lean heavily towards possibility of Kashyyyk. You think Wookiees are better soldiers than Ewoks? Well, the Wookiees were were enslaved through the bulk of the the war against the Empire. Yeah. You know, we get a little bit in Bloodlines, I believe, about Han going back and helping free Kashyyyk. You know, Han and Chewie going and freeing Kashyyyk. Well, because they talk about it some in Solo. That right. the Wookiees are gone. They've, you yeah. know. So we could be seeing Chewie going back to ask for help fighting this yeah. new this new enemy. Or we could just be seeing, if we're going to Kashyyyk, the end of Chewie's story. As an aside, do we think that the Empire decimated Kashyyyk because the Wookiees helped Yoda escape? Possibly, but I mean, they were enslaved because they're big and strong. I mean, they were... They were forced into manual That's labor. True. But I mean, they definitely, it was definitely them that protected Yoda. Yeah. No, it was, it was, it was definitely uh, Chewbacca's family that helped Yoda escape Order 66. So that could have been part of it. But I, I think part of that was just the motive of enslaving Big the, the Wookiee Wookie yeah. race. And it, it's part of this. The Empire saw everything as something to be conquered. And Especially they were, if they weren't human. Well, and with the, that's exactly that. With the, the motives of the Empire is you basically yes. see, you know, it's kind of like. The, How can you use everything to the betterment of the Empire? Right. But other the other little interesting note there was that, um, of course, we already knew that the main filming at Pinewood was going to run into next year. They told us early on that filming would run through February. But they said that one of the sets had an extended two months added to its shooting schedule for rewrites. 
which is that the first we've heard of rewrites? We heard a little bit about rewrites in connection to Dominic Monaghan's character. We discussed that a little bit last week, where it sounded like he was brought in for this role, and maybe J.J.'s gotten a little bit excited about this particular character and decided to increase his his status in the, uh, in the story. Yeah, it's kind of interesting, kind of as an example of how things sort of go in circles. I mean, back in the 20s, that's how they made movies, was they, like, they went in and they shot, and they were like, ooh, let's change this. Let's go shoot something else. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and well, a lot of movies are still made still that aren't, Yeah, they're still not uncommon. Especially when your filmmaker also wrote the story mm-hmm. like this, where, I mean, he has the ability as he's making to go, you know, this really isn't working, right. but I got a great idea. Mm-hmm. Which it, it just seems like there's kind of an increasing conversation about rewrites. With, right. And, and, and some people freak out when they hear rewrites and reshoots. And it's not a bad thing. It's a very normal thing that has gone on since the beginning the, of filmmaking. Mm-hmm. The time to freak out a little bit is whenever you have an edit in the can and, and all of a sudden you, you call the whole reshoots. cast back yeah. or reshoot that wasn't scheduled before. Right. That's when something else may have been going on. But as far as the rights and reshoots <laughs> as you're going, that's, that's still really not uncommon. Um, Nothing to freak out about. No. Of course, the next thing we got here is a new photo from the Black Park site. Uh, Black Park is this big, I've never known about it. I I looked at it. I put a link about Black Park itself into the show notes tonight so y'all could check that out. It's actually a really beautiful park where Star Wars has done some shooting before. And it's where a few weeks ago we got a picture of the Millennium Falcon. We still don't know what planet this is going to be. We're still seeing a few set photos. Making Star Wars has put up a number of photos. But the one of most interest was this photo of a partially assembled x-wing mm-hmm. it, it's a little different x-wing than we've seen before you know it it is it's got a seriously orange paint job on it <laughs> orange right. is fun shake things up a little bit well i mean you know, orange was a a big color we saw repeated a lot in the rebellion in the rebel theme yeah true. um so you know one of the last things we heard the rebellion is reborn today so mm-hmm. seeing this orange x-wing may just be part of that. This might be Poe's new X-Wing because Poe likes to crash X-Wings. You know, this could be a tie-in with the Mandalorian because the ice cream guy, he also wears <laughs> he also an orange, orange jumpsuit. <laughs> I think that's well, really what it means. It's all well, connected. Well, in, in tying in with another one of these really out there rumors right now was the possibility of the return of another very important pilot. Ooh, ooh I saw yeah, this in the notes. And I think we would have already heard rumors of Dennis Lawson. Maybe, but the other you're not day casting that if they re- get, you can't. They're not going to recast it. But here's the thing: Dennis Lawson did show up at Celebration last year. Had he a did. had a great time. He was nice. He was. Everybody he was awesome. liked him. The other thing was an article that came out where somebody interviewed Dennis Lawson recently, and he said, you know, and asked him about you know saying no, I don't want to be in another Star Wars movie and turning down a role which is what we heard back when The Force Awakens came out, was that Dennis Lawson didn't want to do another Star Wars movie. Right. And he denied that completely, hmm. uh, just recently, just like within the last few weeks. If I was making the movie and had the ability to keep some characters under wraps that were coming back, he would he be, one be one that I would definitely want to like keep that covered up. Because, I mean, that will just be... If, if it's true, that will just be one of those moments where the audience loses it in the theater. Especially with a new, I don't even know what it is, I think it's a new kids book series 
called Alphabet Squadron, which will is dealing with training these new pilots, including Poe Dameron and a few right. other pilots, right. uh, Snap. So they are working Wedge back into the story. The story. Interesting. I'm really hoping, like I said, those these rumors on on people that are coming back, like these are rumors that are way out in left field right now. I mean, it really it does make sense, though. And I think we talked about before The Force Awakens came out that it would absolutely make sense for Wedge to show back up. Like some of them, yeah, it's it like, yeah, they have to finagle that. I don't see that there's any finagling necessary for Wedge Antilles to show up in no, Star yeah. Wars again right now. Wedge being involved makes perfect sense. Right. I mean, we've we've gone two movies now in the Resistance era without seeing him, though. Right, and we do, but we so, know that he was part of the Resistance. We just don't know where he's been because he's there in the in the Bloodline book at the at the beginning of the Resistance. I mean, he's a central figure. Maybe he's one of those people she's sending a message to that weren't coming. We don't know why. But they won't. They're not big on backstories. (laughs) I don't know. But I'm all for Wedge coming back. Wedge has always been one of my favorite characters. But, you know, going back to talking about these things that we can do in Star Wars now to... They're just positive. There's just nothing negative about doing this. Bringing Wedge back would just be a, a fantastic move. Across the board. Yeah, no, I agree with you. There's no downside to doing it. I just, I don't know. I'm not sure how you, well, they do do a pretty good job of keeping some stuff under wraps, considering the stuff that leaks for other movies. But Mm -hmm. that's just one. I'm not sure how you hide Dennis Lawson being on set. And he may not be there yet. I mean, he, he may, may not be shooting the scenes yet, if this is true. That's true. He, but, he could be shooting, I mean, anytime between now and, you know, late in the winter this next I just year. Think that's, I just think that's a hard, a hard one to hide. It is, but at the same time, like... I you mean, know, he is British. Well, but he's, you know, you don't have to have him at any of these more public sites like Black Park. He could be filming out at the Cardington Sheds. I mean, or, conceivably, he can get in his car and drive there. It's not like... Well, I mean, if we're going to see him in a ship, in a, in, a, in a fighter... Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, we don't really have to see him on set anywhere. Right, I mean. right. Oh, no, but I'm just talking about, like, getting him, you know, because there were all kinds of jokes made when The Last Jedi came out, Daisy Ridley and John Boyega, you know, like, sneaking, trying to sneak into the country, you know, into Ireland trying to go all incognito i mean he doesn't even have to do that you know they send a car for him and he can be in pinewood studios that makes it a lot easier i think of course yeah i don't know if you've seen the photos from both this the episode nine set and the uh mostly from the mandalorian set of people that we assume are the major actors walking around in these black cloaks (laughs) to keep you from being able to see their costumes to see from seeing their faces they've got costume burkas (laughs) (laughs) pretty much Oh, speaking of, this is like going all the way back to The Mandalorian real quick, which I probably shouldn't do, but I'm going to do it anyway. Did you see the photos that showed stormtroopers on set for The Mandalorian? No. I did not. And now they were with their helmet off, so we don't know necessarily what their helmets look like at this point, uh, or you know if these are or what kind of stormtroopers. First order stormtroopers. Well, storm. <laughs> um, so we don't know a lot about them yet. I mean, the Empire's, two years after, the Empire's dead. So are we seeing, we're talking about the Outer Rim, so are we seeing early incursions by the First Order? Or are we seeing, like, the remnants, a general who has maintained 
you know, a Star Destroyer or two, and he's trying to just maintain his little piece of space. Or maybe they're right. just... Well, I mean, it, it, it goes back to what time period are we setting this in again? You know, we still don't really know. I mean, are so... they could well, just it, be... it's supposed to be two years after Return of the Jedi. Okay. Is it they have I didn't that know that. Date? Yeah, and the Battle of Jakku is a year and a half after the Battle of Endor. I mean, for that matter, they could just be sort of renegade, you know, used to be stormtroopers, now they're just running around. They're just militia. You know, warlords. Uh, and... Or, or um, even uh, mercenaries. Yeah, well, I mean, we saw, I believe in some of the old, old EU novels, I, I believe we saw some, after the fall of the Empire, some kind of renegade warlord that rose out of, you know, generals that, Mm-hmm. That took what were their remnants of their fleet and disappeared to the edges of known space and just like took over planets, yeah, and set up their own little kingdoms, kind of like Alexander's generals after he died. Like, I'm taking this country, right? What do y'all think about the orange X Wing? Like, I mean, just uh, a, just general looks and, and like, do you guy. think it's <laughs> I mean, they're not going to put just any pilot in an X Wing that looks this different, no, I mean, it's either Pose or somebody's coming back i i think i think you're right it's distinct it's not meant to kind of blend in speaking of pose x-wing andrew pointed out that at the beginning of resistance he's flying a white x-wing not a black x-wing so how many how many x-wings does the best pilot the resistance go through it's true maybe sabine got after his x-wing fixed (laughs) it for him she made it better (laughs) talk real quick about Star Wars Resistance. We won't get too deep into it because we've got a new episode, a little mini episode that'll be tacked on to each week while Resistance is on the air um, with my nine-year-old daughter and my nine-year-old niece to give their input on Star Wars Resistance. So we'll talk a little bit about it and there'll be some episodes where we may want to go a lot deeper than they're going to go, but we'll talk briefly about it tonight. Uh, Marisha, just what did you think about the episode? In general. I enjoyed it. I probably enjoyed it a little more than I expected to. Honestly, I did not. I still, I don't love some of the way the characters move. Maybe Mm -hmm. there are some things about the animation that I don't love. However, I don't think the kids noticed that, you know, I think. No, it's it's, a lot like other things they watch. So it's not as. I'm really intrigued. I'm really curious to see where the story goes. I think that. It's got a lot of potential. It's it's nice to see some kind of world building, some something and now for something completely different. You know, we're on the Colossus, we're on a what what is it even exactly? The Colossus? Yeah. It's an old uh refinery, I think they may have said. Something. Refueling it's station. Old refueling station. It's a refueling station. And so it's it's not the First Order, it's not the Resistance, it's not the Rebels, it's not the Empire, it's not Tatooine, it's something completely different, and it's also a completely different environment. You have people who don't really have much allegiance, much loyalty, it's mostly people who are just there for for the glory. You know, they're there to gamble, they're there to race, they're there for, you know... Well, a lot of it is these, it's it's reminiscent of... you know, it's it's post. It's really before the first order has really come heavily into play, and the new republic is taken up, and it's a place that's out of the way, and it, it's 
it's all these people, a lot of them that fought in the war, that have kind of just left and just want to be left alone. It's reminiscent of government in the United States first began to grow and everybody just kept going further and further west, west. Yeah. To, to kind of escape it. And it has that same kind of lawless kind of vibe. Yeah, well, it's it's a spaceport, and mm-hmm. it's got that same vibe. as It's cleaner, but, you know, you think Moss Eisley, you know, the gambling and the and all that stuff that's going on. We've got all different sorts of aliens, uh, a lot of them that are actually very familiar. We see aliens from the original trilogy. We see aliens from... That weird goat uh, creature. Yeah, we see aliens from the, the prequel trilogy. So we just see a lot of cool stuff there. And we get we'll get to see lots of really. I think the the aviation scenes were really cool. The the flight scenes, oh, the, yeah, the the um, fighter scenes and the um, the racing scenes look excellent. I'm still, you know, it's definitely geared more towards kids than Clone Wars or Rebels, which we kind of already knew it was going to be, and which is why we're doing a, a separate show to let the kids talk about it a little bit. But it was fun. I mean, I like some of the characters. Some of them are real over the top. And you can tell they're definitely characters that were designed with kids in mind. Right. As long as none of them are Jar Jar Binks. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Now, Niku could get there. He could. Yeah. Without, maybe he'll be Quentin's new greatest Star Wars character ever. Really, for me, I was, the first five minutes made me go, okay, I'm giving this a shot. Because first we open up with a scene. That's meant to call back the opening scene of uh, of a new hope. A new hope, yes. And it, it opens wow. up with this this dome shaped thing coming across the screen. It, it's kind of a take on the new hope opening with a little bit of a humorous twist. Yeah. Um, but it definitely recalls that that vibe. And then a few minutes into the episode, Poe tells Kaz, whose ship has been damaged come on board and we'll fix your ship up. And he says, on board what? A ship appears out of hyperspace. And of course, my thought was, oh, it's an old Carillion Corvette. It's better. But Spoiler it's not, alert. Yeah. It, it's uh, it's not just any Carillion Corvette. It's actually the Tantive Four. It's Princess Leia's ship. Oh, cool. I mean, we watched it twice. It didn't hurt my feelings to watch it a second time. And honestly, for kids entertainment, that's saying something. I watch a lot of kids shows that you couldn't pay me to watch a second time. So I th- I'm I'm excited to have something, especially now that they just canceled Voltron after this next season. I'm excited to have something to sit down and watch with the kids that there are always things that we sit and, you know, they're really more adult shows that the kids watch. There are kids shows that we'll kind of watch, but something that we can, that has things for, for adults, for kids that, that we can kind of do together. That's, that's definitely the great thing about the Star Wars animated stuff is they do at least, even with this one being geared more towards kids than previous ones, at least at this point, it doesn't mean it won't grow up as it goes. But it's still all these little things in there for longtime fans. Right. Um, I mean, the kids don't know what the Tana Four showing up is, but I mean, for me, that Selena was like... Selena did. Yeah, for me, that was like, I want to you know, jump yeah. off the sofa and scream because that was just uh-huh. awesome. So the uh, the kids' review is going to be very spoilery? Yeah, the kids' review will be more spoilery. <laughs> yeah. So we'll we'll have to put put a spoiler warning on the front of that one, but it's it's meant to be more of a, a review than our. I mean, we're not gonna. I could sit here and, and lay the whole thing out, but mm-hmm. you know, it, it's in our mind. I mean, I had some spoilers in there, but 
yeah, there's there's no way to really explain to them. No. Like, you know, you can't say that part. Right. <laughs> so we'll just have to put a warning on there. But uh, no, I enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to more. I'm still a little concerned about the spacing and the time. But it's if, a big galaxy. That's there, true. You know, there's you can have a lot of things going on. Do you remember Shenandoah with Jimmy Stewart? Mm-hmm. You know, he's in Virginia and he's like, I'm not getting in the war. I'm not getting in the war. And like, nope, nope, Great leave movie. me alone. You know, this is going to be... Pro- and eventually, you know, it kind of comes to him and he winds up getting dragged into it. So right. you could almost do something like that. Well, you know? and kind of the thing with this one though is because they're claiming it's six months prior. And like we talked about this last week, so I'm not going to go heavily into it, but we talked about, well, you know, it's just going to catch up with and run concurrent with the current story. Then I started thinking, well, the current story only takes place over a few days. Mm. Yeah, so we're going to, that's why I said we're going to catch up to it and then run concurrent because once it catches up to it, it's there. Right. Well, kind of like Shield did with with the right. Marvel movies. And I, I don't think I think there's going to be some nice little hints to thing bigger things, but I really don't think the intention is to make this like some sort of critical tie-in to the movies. No, I don't think so. I think they're going to be on their own adventures and. Occasionally, it's going to cross paths with the First Order. So this is great, Daniel. We asked Selena if she wanted to come talk on the podcast. She's like, no, no, no. And I said, well, but if you do that, then you can get on and we can record you arguing about Star Wars with Uncle Andrew. And other people can listen to it. And she was pretty well sold after that. (laughs) Well, good. Uh, Do you have any comic book stuff this week? Oh, yeah. Yeah, actually, the only thing that's dropped since last time we talked about about the comic books has been the Star Wars Adventures, Tales from Vader's Castle. And this kind of goes along with our theme of sort of being targeted to a younger audience, because that, that's really what these are also. Right. And they were, fun, they were fun reads. What's happening here is, in honor of Halloween, we're getting some horror-themed stories for, for younger readers every week in October. So we have the first two issues right now. And these are being written by Kevin Scott. And the first issue is The Haunting of the Ghost with art by Derek Charm and Chris Finoglio. So The Haunting of the Ghost, what's happening here is Lena Graff and her crew get stranded on Mustafar after they've been in a dogfight with some TIE fighters. And the only structure in sight is Vader's castle. So one member of her crew is a droid who knows our old friend Chopper from Rebels. So he's scared to leave the ship uh, once they land on Mustafar <laughs> because it reminds him of a story... Chopper told him about one time when the ghost was haunted. So, of course, the ghost Harris ship from <laughs> right, Rebels. Right, right, yeah. So uh, we're told that That's story great. as the main We get the story of how the ghost ends up being haunted and how they get rid of the ghost as the main story of the book. So it's a pretty simplistic story, but it's it's entertaining, I, I think, especially for the kids. It was a fun little read. Yeah, and, th- and these uh, are non-Marvel, right? Th- they are not Marvel, but they are, uh, I believe we... We consider these canon. Okay. Um, these are actually published by IDW, and they they did get the, uh, of course, they got the license for it, but I believe Marvel is also considering them to be in continuity. There was, uh, I, I actually kind of enjoyed them. I actually kind of like this. It's got a, a cartoony kind of art style to it, which makes sense for, for like I said, for, for who we're targeting here. And and I kind of like the art. And the, the second story is, again, written by Kevin Scott with, Derek Charm and Kelly Jones on the art this time. Another member of her crew 
named Hood tells this story, and this is while Lynn and her crew are making their way towards Vader's castle. They've decided they got to go towards Vader's castle. Like I said, it's the only structure on the site. So we got a story now about Obi-Wan Kenobi on the planet Bray. And I don't know if anybody knows about Bray. Bray is the planet of eternal night. This story also involves Count Dooku. So Count of Planet of Eternal Night. I'll kind of give you an idea of the <laughs> right, theme of what right. this one is, right? Yeah. I've enjoyed them. I think if, if you've got some young readers you're trying to get into Star Wars comics, this is probably a good place for them to start. These stories aren't too spooky or anything like that. They're, yeah. they're, that's, um, that's cool. I was, I was looking forward to seeing what those would be like. Yeah, even the... The the art for Obi Wan has him wearing his armor from the Clone Wars cartoon. So yeah. All right. All right. So I am likely going to get a Marvel Unlimited subscription this week. Which mm-hmm. series should I start to read through first? Wait, wait. I know Darth Vader. Yeah, Vader. Vader's the best one. Okay, well, I Uh-oh. didn't know because I know the Poe Dameron one just wrapped up, so I didn't know if I should it did. maybe read through that one first and then get into Vader or. Well, it sort of depends on what you want to note. The the Poe Dameron series will give you a lot of background to the Resistance era we don't have in the movie so far. And if you, the idea of Black Squadron really intrigues you, you really you do get the origin of Black Squadron, and those characters are pretty interesting. The best book, pretty consistently since Marvel rebooted mm-hmm. the Star Wars comic book universe, the Vader's pretty consistently been the better book. Okay. And of course, it's Dr. Afra. but if you start reading Vader, you'll get introduced to Dr. Afra. And the, the main Star Wars series also is is excellent. There's no, I mean, you're not going to go wrong either way. There are certain points, especially if you start with the first Vader series, there are certain points where you'll, wanna, you'll want to read an issue from the main Star Wars series because they'll, they'll cross over. So, you know, the Vader down storyline, especially that does that they cross over back and forth so there's a couple of examples of that in the series is currently star wars invader we're on two separate timelines we've kind of jumped backwards some in the vader book to tell vader's story there's the, a, a lot of that run in both books they kind of run concurrently so it just depends on where you're at in the story but the, the vader book is excellent all right so. man well uh, unless anybody's got anything else they want to add i think that probably wraps us up for tonight yep that's all we've got for you tonight and uh but before we go marisha where can people find you on the internet I am princessesandpadawans.com. I'm also princessesandpadawans on Instagram and on Twitter if, you know, you want to see things from Celebration last year. All right. And uh, Andrew? All right. You can find me on Twitter at darklighter580 or at thesciencefictionary.com. All right. And I am Daniel Peoples. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan C. Peeps. And uh, as always, follow us on Twitter at sci underscore fictionary. And until next time, may the force be with you. Thank <laughs> you.